Hallelujah. Lift your voice unto the Lord. It's a good thing to cry out to Him. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus, we love you. You know, it's impossible. It's impossible to tell, even to totally anticipate what happens in one brief moment at the altar. Um, sometimes I let my mind ponder and it's just amazing and what's already transpired here, not just last night, but today it's been incredible. Leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. And I thank God for it. I feel it, I sense it, and I thank God for it. Thank you, Brother Adams, for that word this morning. Amen. He said, he said he would preach an appetizer before I preached the message. And I assured him that it was okay, we could both cook. I'm a vegetarian, so he gave you the steak, I'm going to give you the veggies. <laughs> You'll leave with a balanced meal, I hope, to this distinguished cast of leaders who are responsible for the direction and the work and the fellowship. I salute you. There is a, um, a rumor, or maybe it's a, a fable, I don't know, that one day the son was exhausted and just wanted to go down early, and Bishop Wilson said, now wait a second, son. You have no idea how powerful you can be. <laughs> I can encourage anybody to do anything. And I thank him for his encouragement and support and telling me that I was unable to hang with the partiers late at night one time because they stayed up partying and I went to bed. <laughs> Love these folks. Good men. The book of Ecclesiastes. Are you ready to go into the word again? Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. I'm praying for a transformational experience. Brother Adams, whenever it's all said and done, wherever you are, we have to talk again because I was poking fun at you. I thought, man, I remember what it's like to think twins is good news. <laughs> Praise God, I'm so excited, but dude, it's good news. Somebody. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 1 through verse number 8, and then the book of Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2. I want to ask God to do something here in this next few moments that only God can do, and uh, that is to create in us um, something new that will help us along the pathway on our journey. And um, just help me with it. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Everybody said, remember thy creator. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Verse number three. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out the window be darkened 
It's talking about the aging process, the passing of time. And the door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And verse number five, also when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desires shall fail because the Bible says man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets or ever the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken and the fountain or the wheel be broken at the cistern verse number seven and then ending with eight then shall dust Return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Verse number eight sums it up. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. What a summation of life. Romans chapter 12, verse number one and verse number two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lift your hands just one more time and say something good to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We love you. You're wonderful. God, we honor you for all that you are in this place today and for what we've heard. God, seal all of that, I pray, God, with the precious breath of heaven, Lord God. Bless these beautiful people that have gathered here this morning, and we thank you for it. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Danny sleeps most of the day. He loves parade peaches and bananas. He's happy if he's full and he has a fresh diaper. He loves it when people sing and occasionally he'll make noises that makes it seems like he's singing along with him. Danny's a miracle. His family will bring him home soon. There, there's a special room for him, a special bed for him, and people that will take care of him 24-7. They'll feed him, they'll bathe him, they will talk to him, they'll sing to him, and he's loved. Sometimes his family can catch a glimpse in his eye and it's almost as if he wants to say something but doesn't have the words to say it and so he doesn't say it. Eventually he tires out, smiles a big toothless grin, passes gas, and goes to sleep. His family watches him when he's sleeping, thanking God for each day of his life. Danny will be 98 years old this coming December. I could take the time and read the story again and conclude by saying Danny is a newborn, the pride and joy of his parents. His whole life is ahead of him. Isn't it amazing how somehow or another it kind of circles back around it's a process. Some people call it the season of life. I think it's amazing that in the beginning, we're happy if we are 
dry and full. And in the end, we're happy if we're dry and full. It's amazing that our beginning and our ends look so much alike. I want to spend a few moments on this thought, God create in me. I wanted to start by prefacing this this thought today by noting that children are amazing creatures. Children began to learn from the earliest of time. As a matter of fact, children learn before they're born. There is learning that takes place. So now that I know there is a pregnant person here, depending upon how far along she is, as soon as those little eyes, those little ears, that that little brain begins to develop, it begins to learn. I'll give you an example. My son Daniel is a, uh, he's born in January, so around Christmas time. And my wife is German and she loves Handel's Messiah. We have like four versions of Handel's Messiah in our house. We have the very proper version of Handel's Messiah. And Handel's Messiah ends in the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know it, right? Except for they sing it on key. And, uh, and so we have all those versions. We have the soulful celebration. You could, just, you could just see it in your mind's eye. The choir is swinging back and forth. And Hallelujah. Somebody screams and shouts in tongues or something. You know, We've got four versions. And these versions were playing just nonstop in my house for, well, pretty much all of that Christmas season. By the time my wife was in labor, she said, honey, can you bring... Uh, a Walkman, so some a Walkman, that's uh, it's like a iPad, yeah you got it and can you bring it to the hospital so I can listen to, to my song and I did and I was so sick and tired of that song that I banned it from my house we're not hearing that song anymore and so for two years that song did not play in my house and about two years later I said fine we can bring it back out and my son Daniel was on the couch and he was coloring or something and he listened to the entire Handel's Messiah and when it got to the hallelujah course he did something he never does he stood up on the couch he jumped on the floor held his hands out and in key and on beat at about age two says hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And I'm going, what? What? No way. Record this. But back then, cell phones didn't record. (laughs) No, record it, really. Get this thing. Couldn't believe it. Daniel, before he was even born, All babies, not just him. They hear and they learn. And their little brain begins to form. It begins to think. Thank God for our apostolic churches. Because when those women come in and they're full in labor, they're they're pregnant, those babies are hearing and experiencing the same thing we are, but on the inside. I'm telling you, I've seen them come out in very, very early in life. They're lifting their hands and they're praising the Lord. They get it. You know why they get it? They've been hearing it for a long time. I worked with a, um, a young person who was pregnant. And I began to talk to her about three weeks into her pregnancy until she had the baby. And finally, when she brought the baby to show me the baby, 
I said, hi there, beautiful. And the baby went. I know that voice. The little brains began to learn and form from the tiniest gestational period. A little zygote grows and becomes an embryo and grows, grows and becomes a fetus and, and taking in information the entire time that will help them know how to navigate this world. And our brain begins to form structures that recognize and relate to what we've heard and what we've experienced and there's a neurological process of a pathway that is developed that then will be used to help us think our way through life. Why is this important? Because, well, lots of reasons. Number one, when the Bible talks about the heart, be it the heart of man or the heart of God, if you think about the heart, right, it's this thing. But that doesn't think. It's just a muscle, the heart might better be described as a combination between cognition and emotion. It's who you are. When God changes your heart, I sincerely doubt he does anything to this muscle. But you get up different. You think different. You feel different. It's that thing that is changed. And what I want to tell you is that that thinking and that brain and all of that begins to form very, very early on. And our mind forms these neurological pathways that are like ruts and mud. And over time, as we grow and develop, and we're 8 and 10 and 30 and 40, these are very powerful. As a matter of fact, they are hard to escape. These pathways or these ruts at the end of the day make you who you are. Every action, every reaction, watch. Praise the Lord, church. You have been trained to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't say repeat after me. But from the earliest time of going to church, people said, praise the Lord. And you echoed back, praise the Lord. It's who you are. It's so ingrained in you, if I walk past you in the street and say, hey, praise the Lord, bro. You'll say, praise the Lord. It's a mental construct. So when I say praise the Lord to our church, and they repeat after me, about 16 years ago, I said, stop that. Oh, I wasn't trying to get you to repeat after me. I was trying to get you to really praise him. So I say, praise the Lord, and they go, praise the Lord, and they go, gong, try it again. Praise the Lord, and they go, ah. After about 16 years, I say, praise the Lord, and hands go up, and voices are raised, and they actually praise the Lord. 16 years to retrain thinking. Praise the Lord, church. I need about 16 more years. No, it's important that you understand that these are powerful. Most of you get up and you do the exact same things the exact same way. Someone asked me some time ago, I said, I've got a bad habit and I want to break it. What do I do? I said, well, tell me how you brush your teeth. He said, what's that got to do with anything? I said, because you have bad breath. No, 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 no. I'm just, 
<laughs> Take a minute, brother. He says, all right. I take my right hand, I take the toothpaste in my left hand, I squeeze it, I put the toothpaste down, and with my right hand, I brush. Of course, his dentist knows that because his teeth are cleaner on one side than the other. Your dentist knows exactly which hand you are. So I said, if you really want to change your behaviors, wake up tomorrow and do it in the reverse. He said, what does that have to do with treating my wife better? What's that got to do with being a better Christian? I said, it opens your brain to the possibility of learning something new in a drastic way. He said, how long do I have to do this? Do it for about 30 or 45 days. He called me back and 10 days later he goes, I hate this. It's uncomfortable. I know. I was fighting years and years and years of tradition. His brain is engineered to do the same thing it's always done. Another example, if you want to learn a foreign language and English is your first language and you're 20 years old, by that time your brain has pretty much told you it's not necessary to learn other languages. And so it's a little bit more challenging to learn a language. Not so much for kids because their brain's more, you get it, right? And so it takes time and practice and you practice and you practice and you study. And as you study a new language, your brain begins to reach out to parts that are dormant and it begins to ignite those parts that are dormant to begin to teach something new. And over time, your brain literally forms the ability to function in a new way that has never functioned before and you practice that and you can change and to become fluent in a language could take from one to ten years. We're fighting some pretty powerful stuff. Or the person who wakes up in the morning and they are addicted to nicotine so they have to have that cigarette. And they do that for four or five years. Forget the nicotine addiction. Just the habit of doing that over and over creates a pattern. So they wake up and even if they don't want it, their body just begins to reach for it. It's kind of like when you type on your computer and you really didn't mean to type that email address because you're at work and you just happen to type in. The, it's like that. The brain just does it. It reaches for that cigarette and it takes years for mankind to change that habit. But I've seen people come to the altar and in one service, in one altar call, I remember a man that came and prayed, got up, went to his chair, went through his stuff, came back, put his cigarettes on the altar and said, I don't even want it anymore. The Holy Ghost did, in a matter of moments, what he couldn't have done by himself in many years.
By the natural flow of things, he should have got up the next morning and reached for a cigarette. But it didn't happen because something else happened at an apostolic altar and it changed not only his desire, but it changed what his brain wanted. I've seen it with drugs and alcohol. And well, I've pretty much seen it with any kind of problem you can imagine. Pornography. And so I asked God, I said, God, explain this to me. How does that happen? How does it happen? I ask God those questions all the time. And God answered back, because I can create. I thought, okay. I called them back to the beginning. Genesis chapter number five, verse number one and verse number two. This is the book of the generations of Adam and in the day, in that, excuse me, in the day that God created man and the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam and in the day when they were created, in the day when they were created. God said, I can create. I want to read the book of Psalms chapter 51 and verse number four, and then I'm going to preach for a little bit. Psalms 51, four, going through about 11. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, David's repentance, and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Verse number 10, say it with me if you have it there. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Say it one more time. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse number 11 says this, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The Lord spoke to me and said very clearly, watch the new people. And so I began to watch the new converts. And indeed, they were a lot like babies or like children. Now, sometimes that's annoying. But I began to watch them, and I learned just a few things that I want to talk about right now. Number one, they were quick to forgive. If you hang around the church long enough, somebody or something or some decision will offend you. You will be used or misused, and eventually there will be that one situation that you cannot or will not forgive. You will try, but it will dog you. And most people carry that one or two things that you would love to see God make right, 
so that you could somehow feel that he has fought on your behalf. You think about it too much. It was a real wrong that was done to you, and it bothers you. Several years ago, our church bounced around. We moved about five or six times. Um, we did that in just a span of probably that many years. We were, we were in a situation that was pretty good, a building situation that was pretty good, and uh, there were problems with the building that led to um, quite a large sum of money coming our way. And it was, most of it was stolen. It was stolen by people in the church. It was stolen by elders in the church. And I refused to go after them because I know better, but I prayed about it. No, I complained about it. I said, God, get them. Bring them down. Five years. Y'all, we had a convoy of cars going through the city because we didn't have a place to call church home. My Sunday school director had to go to three different places to count attendance because we were scattered all over the city. And so I remember praying and I was praying for two things. I went to the sanctuary by myself. I was there to pray for revival. But as I was praying for revival, that thing came to my mind again. Brother Williams, we wouldn't struggle like this if those brethren hadn't done what they'd done. So God, get them, Lord. And that was it. There was nobody in the building and it was on. I mean, I just told God everything about them and I told them exactly how I wanted to bring them down one by one. You're going to get offended. God spoke to me and he said, Daniel, you pick revenge or revival. That wasn't fair. I was like a student. I said A and B. That's wrong. You have to pick. I remember saying that's it. I threw my hands up and I said, God, give me revival. I will let this thing go, but I need your help because it bothers me when I see them. It bothers me when I think about them. It bothers me when I think about what our church had to go through and I need your help. And God said, get on your knees. What I can do for you is I can create something in you that you can't produce in yourself. I need a new heart, God. And so I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God dealt with me. And it wasn't one prayer meeting. There were multiple prayer meetings. And I remember thinking I was over it. Until I went to a conference and I saw one of them. And I wanted to slap them. 
And I thought, I'm not over it. If you watch children, they have their issues. They will tussle and they'll be friends. It's the parents you got to worry about. God will take us back and he'll make us the way we should have been. He'll make us like children again. I buried myself back in prayer until I could feel God saying, you've got to do better than that, Daniel. You've got to get up loving everybody and especially your brother. That's what new converts, man. They just love folks and they're so easy to forgive children. God makes us like children again. Ah, see, some of y'all are saying amen, but you got chips on your shoulders still. Because it really happened. I know it really happened. And if you hold that chip on your shoulder, it's going to be like a rut in your brain. And it will poison everything you touch. It'll become a part of who you are. It'll slip into your messages. It'll slip into your prayer life. It'll slip into your home. It'll become a part of your neurological makeup. But when you get in the presence of God, you become like that kid who's so quick to forgive. We borrowed a church during that time, home missions work. We borrowed a church during that time, and it was a neat little building. It was a one-room chapel with rooms upstairs that could be used for Sunday school. And uh, our church was doing great. It was probably growing faster than most churches around. It was growing faster than most churches around. Uh, It's new. It's exciting. People are coming. We're praying people through. We're baptizing. It was good. And the pastor of the church, who was a brother, the pastor of the church said, now, our people, we let you borrow this church, but I think our people are starting to worry because there's more of you all than there is of us. And they're worried about the carpet, and they're worried about this, and they're worried about that. And I said, well, we'll do, we'll do our best to just you know, not be any problem to you. And we were there for about four months and I came in on a Sunday, and there was a note from the pastor that said, Brother Blash, please make this your last Sunday. I cannot fight our people anymore over this. I am so sorry. So we're on the fly again. And I called the man, and he, he wouldn't return my call. I called him again, and finally he answered. He said, Bro, I don't want to fight with you. I said, Man, I didn't call you to fight. I just called you to tell you it's all right. What if we have a combined going away service? Let's show people that we love each other. Man, I'm not upset with you. I forgive you. You don't want to fight with your people. That's fine. I don't particularly care to fight with ours. I get it. But I want to be quick to forgive if you've offended me. It's what children would do. But you grow out of that stuff when you've been in the church for a little while. And it's easy to build that chip on your shoulder and be so quickly offended. God will help you. He'll make you like a little child. You'll have a misunderstanding with your brother, but you'll want to make it right as soon as possible. Watch your children play. 
Matthew chapter 18, 21. Then Peter, then came Peter to him, speaking of Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, when's this in? Let's do the math here, you know? Till seven times, because that's pretty gracious. You wronged me seven times. The eighth time, I'm punching you in the throat. Jesus said, nope. Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. We got to be willing to forgive. Somebody said amen. amen. So I watched the new converts again. And I noticed that they were like babies. My daughter, Teresa, was like born singing. She would kick her feet in the air and she would play with her toes. And that was so cute when she was like one. It is totally not cute now. But it was so cute then. And she would play with her toes and, and she would sing. And, and I, would, I would, you know, she was the first girl. And I was happy to have a girl. But I thought she needed to learn how to wrestle. <laughs> I'm wrestling with her. My wife is like, honey, stop that. She'll be all right. Got her. It was so hard to get Teresa to become fussy. You had to pick at her a long time. She was just easygoing, happy-go-lucky. She laughed easily. She was very slow to become angry. What about you? God said, watch the babies. He said, God, what are you doing? He'll bring new people and he'll create in them how they ought to have been to start with. Easy to forgive, slow to anger and wrath. He'll sneak up on you. I went to a church in the woods. By the way, this is my first time coming here. That last 15 minutes of the drive is way too rural for a brother. Y'all need to airlift a brother into that stuff, man. I'm serious. I'm going, where am I? Serious anxiety. I had a Xanax, I would have popped it. And then I looked over, there was like this, there was this, this cemetery. And I thought, that's probably where they better buried all the brothers who got lost up in here. And then a man drove by me in a truck and he smiled. And he kind of nodded towards the cemetery. I was like, oh Lord, help me. I'm just saying. I was in the sticks. I was in the sticks in the woods. There was no stoplights. One or two stop signs. One post office that was also the bank next to one gas station. That was it. And I was there with my family for nine years. 
I was the only minority in the county, I think. When we came to that church, here's why, here's why I stayed. I checked out lots of churches. I asked a friend of mine, where's a good church? Try this one. I got to the church, and a six-year-old girl, the usherette, said, welcome to our church. Come here, I'll tell you something. I got real down, how cute. What is it? She goes, I'm so glad you're at our church. And she gave me a kiss on the cheek. Huh? I thought we might be able to stay here. She's a pastor's wife now. And like six months ago, she met me at a conference and kissed me on the same cheek. It's, she needs to cut that out. <laughs> uh, Amy, that ain't cute no more, baby. <laughs> it was as if somebody rolled out a red carpet to us. And it was beautiful. I purchased a van. And I totaled the van. And within 12 hours... A member of that church came and said, we just bought a brand new van two weeks ago. Here are the keys. Take it. Keep it for a week or a month or a year. We're just glad you're here. I would preach and I'd say, man, I love coconut cream pie. And one of those ladies would have a coconut cream pie at the PM service. And it was that way for the entire time we were there. And one service... I walked into the sanctuary past a group of men who were, who were construction workers and they were going to be working in St. Louis. And this is the conversation I overheard. Well, we're going to be in St. Louis this coming next few weeks. And when we're there, we need to lock our cars because you know how they are. And I took three steps and I thought, they who? You mean they black people. And I was offended. Easily. Nine years of we treat you like royalty. And one comment. How easily offended was I? And I sat and I stewed and the preacher preached and the altar call was given and I went to the far corner of the platform and I prayed my resignation unto the Lord. I said, God, you heard what those men said. I am finished. I am done. I will not preach to another white person as long as I live. If you want to kill me, God, kill me. But I'm done. Let them save themselves. Now, that is not the kind of prayer you pray out loud. So I promise you, I was whispering it. The preacher was 20 feet away from me. There is no way the preacher heard it. But I felt a hand on me and the preacher spoke over me. Here was the message. Brother Blash, God just spoke to me. He told me to tell you that he loves you. He's called you to this place. He's given you a voice and influence for this people. He's called you to preach the gospel and you are not your own. (laughs) 
What he should have said is, you shouldn't be so easily offended. When you first came in the church, nothing could offend you. Here you are, you've been around for a little while, and now if it's not right, or if that's not right, I'm telling you, we got to ask God to create something in us that most new converts already have. When I'm at my home church, man, it doesn't matter what I preach to the new converts. They're like, Pastor, that was good stuff. But those old timers, oh Lord, did you have three points and all, all this business. You got to do it just right to please them. It wasn't that way when you came into this thing. Because when you were born into it, God did it right. And you may have developed some tendencies over the years. And those tendencies stick with you. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will change you. If the Holy Ghost can take somebody who's addicted to crack cocaine and in one altar service deliver them, the Holy Ghost can do the same thing with an angry preacher. The Holy Ghost can do the same thing with an abusive man. The Holy Ghost can do the same thing with somebody who's been offended, rightfully offended, but you held on to it and that was the problem. You should have let it go. That same delivering Holy Ghost will help you. It will... Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost will create in you something new. Be seated and give me about 10 minutes. So they were very quick to forgive and they were not easily discomforted. Like I was when I heard that comment. I got up and I repented. And the prayer was like this, God. These men, any one of them, would step in front of a bullet for me. Why was I so easily offended? What's wrong with me? What little bit of cynicism have I developed over the years that's taken pathway that it's the first thing I gravitate to? Why was it my first inclination to give them the benefit of the doubt? What's wrong with my brain? What's wrong with my heart? So God, back on my knees, I go again. God created me something that's brand new. I don't really need restoration. I need you to create it all over again, God, because it's messed up. It's broken somehow, God. When I'm quick to go to war against my brother, but slow to go to war against the devil, something is bad, messed up, wrong with me. Five minutes and I'm done. I just want to be right with God. You see, God, God designed your brain. He developed it. He's not going to undo stuff that you keep, you keep messing up. You keep doing your thing. He's going to just let you do it if you want to. You'll develop. You'll... Let me give you an example, a real quick one. He said, Pastor, when I get home at night, I'm just exhausted. She loves God. She said, I'm just exhausted. She doesn't have the Holy Ghost yet, but she's going to get it. She was real close last Sunday. She said, so I just plopped down in the chair, 
I turned on the television and I just sleep. I, I tried to, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. I didn't mean to yell at her. I said, no! I would have said that if she said radio. Unless it was Holy Ghost radio. It wasn't that I was fussing at her about television. But this time it happened to be that point. I said for all those hours just sitting there, your brain is soaking in every single thing and it's forming you, it's shaping you, it's developing you into who you're gonna ultimately be. You gotta do better than that. You'd be better off to listen to the sound of an ocean or something. All I'm saying is if you give it time and energy, it's going to form who you are. So you sit there with your bitterness thinking that no one else knows it. But over time, you're going to be a bitter old man. It's shaping who you are. You better let that stuff go. Because my real question was, God, how can I love you with all my mind? If I've dedicated some of it to things that you can't bless. <sighs> All right. You know what? Just, just have a seat. I'm five or ten minutes out either way. You stand through it. You say, that's almost done. <sighs> Here's the last thing I want to say about what I've learned about new converts, um, babies. And God spoke to me. He said, see, he says, when I, when I help them, I create them how they should have been. Alcohol-free, nicotine-free, easy to forgive. He says, I just, I create that in them. I take them back to the original, how they should have been. Before all this other stuff came into their life. Before they learn anything, I take them back to their original design. And so the last thing is that when they get up from the altar, they are naturally inclined to love everybody. I remember this big guy. God gave me this as an example. This big guy, he was bigger than me maybe by two times. And he had a bald head. He looked like Mr. Clean. Tall, big, big guy. I preached this short message for those days, right? And uh, can't remember what I said. Did it a quick altar call. He had faith. He got the Holy Ghost. I wasn't praying with him, but I preached the message. And he got the Holy Ghost across the room. And he looked around. And he found his pastor and he hugged his pastor. He found his pastor's wife and he hugged his pastor's wife. He hugged her so long till it was uncomfortable. And then he hugged somebody else. And then he looked at me. And he made a beeline toward me. And he gave me this big squeeze of a bear hug. And he kind of picked me up. It's like, dude, put me down. And he said, I love everybody. But I didn't get the Holy Ghost feeling that way. But after I got the Holy Ghost, I love everybody. No matter how many years you've lived, no matter what your experiences have been, 
When you get up from the altar as a baby saint, you tend to love everybody. One man said to me, he was about 60 years old. He said, I've got to tell you something. He pulled me uncomfortably close. He said, I recently got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but before I did, I really didn't like black people. Don't get too quiet. I said, you know what? I had the Holy Ghost and almost quit preaching to white people. So the same thing that happened to you, in essence, happened to me. Because when God touches us and we let him, we get up loving everybody and we feel bad when we don't. Stand with me, I'm done. Young man, he got the Holy Ghost, he got the Holy Ghost. He has the Holy Ghost for one year. He's so pumped, 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 pumped. Lived and raised and born inner city St. Louis, tough as nails. And uh, he got the Holy Ghost, this guy's great, just great. Travels with me a little bit now and just, just he's a spark in every service. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was after me after service. He says, I gotta say something. Can I say something? Man, that look in his eyes, was, it was just happiness. I, I usually ask the question, what do you need to say? I didn't even ask. I just gave him the mic. I said, go for it. He got to the beginning of the church, at the top of the church. He said, can I have your attention? He said, his eyes got misty. He says, looking at that mixed congregation of ours, he says, I love you people. He goes, no, you don't get it. I love all you people. He said, it's a miracle. I love even you white people. <laughs> he said, that's wonderful. I never felt that way in my life is what he said until he got the Holy Ghost. And God made him what he always should have been. I don't think it's an accident that around Azusa Street, as God is reviving the nation, he starts out by reviving everybody. He made us what we always should have been. A very diverse group of Jesus lovers. And when we repent, we're going to get back to that place. Remember now thy creator. Remember it now as the seasons are passing by you. God is able to create in you at any moment what you ought to be if you let him. Lift your hands for a moment, would you? Father, we love you.
God, we honor you. Mm. Come on, I know we're bumping up against lunchtime, but take a moment or two if you need it. Just call on the name of the Lord God and say, God, create something in me. Precious God, I pray for my brother who's tired. Came here feeling like they want to quit. God, it's amazing how children just won't quit. So make us again like children. Pray for my brother God who is struggling to have faith. Because they've seen so many disappointments, oh God. But help us to be like little children, God, and have that kind of faith. I pray for my brother who's hurt, who's offended, and who wants to strike back. I pray that he would remember his creator. God, touch our minds right now. You can change, God, you can change it just in a moment of time. You can change it, oh God. It doesn't matter, God, what's happening in our, our, our physical brain, Father. In your presence, oh God, there is a power that's greater than thought. There's a power that's greater than perpetuated behavior, God. There's a power, God, that's bigger, God, and it's more capable, God, and it's more powerful, Lord, than traditions and traditions and years of behaviors and years of thought. And if we'll surrender ourselves to you, Master. The Lord God formed man of the dust and breathed his, into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Breathe, God, upon some soul right now, oh God. Restore that person, God, I pray. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus at center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. God, I surrender it to you tonight. This, this morning, I surrender it, God. I surrender it, God. Take my thoughts. Take my experience. Take my pain. Take it all, God. And create a new in me, Father.